The Guardian. Women should avoid dressing like sluts in order not to be victimised. The words of a Canadian policeman that sparked protests all over Canada, provocatively titled Slut Walks. Enough of being told that we should be ashamed of ourselves, ashamed of our appearance, ashamed of our pleasure and ashamed of being victimised. Ultimately, I think there's a tolerance of rape all over the place and there's an expectation that the way you're dressed somehow makes you worthy of being a victim, that you shouldn't be otherwise. Now the movement has been taken up in Britain, where similar attitudes to those of the Canadian policemen often prevail, and surveys show that they're held by women as well as men. But is the slut walk movement helping the feminist cause or harming it? I'm Tracy McVeigh, and this is the Focus Podcast. Joining me in the studio to discuss this, I have Vicky Semister, founder of the Anti-Street Harassment Campaign UK, Julie Bindle, journalist and a feminist campaigner, Joanne Nadler, conservative author, Shahista Aziz, a stand-up comedian and writer, and Bricks Smith-Start, TV presenter and a fashion expert. Welcome to you all. And Vicky Semister, let's begin with you. Should we be encouraging young women to dress less provocatively? Thanks. Um, I'm the director of Anti-Street Harassment UK, um, and I'm actually a victim of street harassment, which is the sexual harassment of women in public areas myself. Uh, the reason I started the campaign was that I was sexually harassed and then ultimately assaulted. And when the police were called, they implied that I'd brought about my own assault by my demeanour that night. I think that personally I have experienced this attitude and I think that through anecdotal evidence from women that I've met that this is certainly an attitude that's rife but I think that amounts to victim blaming. I don't think that any woman can bring up about her own rape. I think that rape by definition is non-consensual sex. Therefore, to dress like a slut is not to, to bring about, about your own rape. And also the idea that if you did look like what society thinks is a slut, that you are somehow responsible is also quite repugnant to me. Not only is that attitude to be displayed in you know, Canadian authorities, but in the UK this year, Scottish Conservative MP Bill Aitken said um, of the rape of a Glaswegian lady that uh, he heard that she may have been a hooker and thereby implied that somehow she had brought, she had brought it upon herself or that she was somehow more to blame the idea that being a hooker, a slut, a whore, or any of these other, you know, hate terms makes you open to being raped is just completely diabolical. Brick Smith start. Me being a fashion expert, I feel so strongly that people should wear what they like to wear, what what makes them feel good, using clothes as self-expression. Um, but the thing is, is that you have to be aware that it can affect other people and that it may trigger things in other people. But that is not something that you can control. What you can only control is yourself. So it's really important to be aware. I had an experience, one of my first sort of like fashion experiences, I was about 13 and staying with my girlfriend out in Michigan in the summer house and decided we were having a Jodie Foster in Taxi Driver moment, who was a teenage whore, who we idolized. And 
we decided to dress up in all her mother's clothes, including platform shoes, and get out all the makeup, and dressed up and went off to the truck stop, and drank coffee and smoked cigarettes, and the truckers followed us home, and were beating on the door, and we were terrified, and hiding under the bed, and um, (laughs) her older sister was going, girls, what have you done, what have you done, and we realized, you know, there is power in what you dress, and you do put out an attitude, but you are responsible for yourself, you know, and you have to be aware of that and you have to take responsibility. But by all means, I truly believe that women should wear whatever they like and to celebrate femininity, their sexuality, power dressing, any which way it comes, go for it. That makes me quite ill, what the policeman said. Joanne Nadler? Um, I, actually, I'm really interested in what Brooks was saying because what, what she's saying is that almost by accident, I mean, you, you were dressing up, you were playing a role, but that role sends out a, a particular message. Almost, you were wearing, if you like, the uniform of the streetwalker, <laughs> and therefore you had made yourself vulnerable to being misinterpreted. It was just, it was just, it was just playing. We really. were playing, and I wonder whether, whilst I found the way that the policeman expressed himself to be completely inappropriate. And I, I completely agree with the idea that, you know, women should not be held responsible for uh, an attack on them. Uh, but I do wonder whether there is a lot of fashion now with young girls particularly dressing very provocatively and perhaps they don't even realise the subliminal message that they could be sending out and they perhaps can be making themselves vulnerable. So I think there is an interpretation of what the policeman said, which is, you know, more sympathetic to his view, which is that actually women can be making themselves vulnerable, particularly young girls, and they're getting carried away perhaps with a a very sexualised society, you know, that we have now, um, which puts a lot of pressure up perhaps on young girls to dress in a way that... You know, perhaps if they gave it more thought, they wouldn't feel comfortable about what they were actually saying about themselves. Well, um, I wear a hijab. I'm a Muslim woman. I chose to wear my hijab. And I I find this piece of cloth that I wear on my head really, really liberating because I feel people don't really judge me by what I look like. I absolutely agree with what everyone said. I absolutely believe a woman has a right to wear whatever she wants. I do not want the police, the state, anybody else to tell me as a woman what I can and can't wear. Um, But I also believe that what you wear, people do judge you by what you wear. And, you know, my hijab for me is part of my business suit when I go out, when when I'm on the street. For me, it very much... I find that people treat me very differently. Um, when I didn't wear a headscarf, I used to get treated very different to how I do wear a headscarf. Sometimes the way I get treated infuriates me and makes me very angry. But at the same time, I find that for some reason, people show me more respect. Drunks actually cross the road. This happens to me quite a lot, believe it or not. Um, but at the same time, I do think that more and more women, particularly young women, um, are dressing in an overly sexual way. And I wonder why that is. I wonder why, I mean, it wasn't happening when I was growing up. I've got nieces and nephews. And, you know, when I go out to try and buy clothes for them, I'm quite shocked at some of the things I'm seeing. I actually went to um, a makeup shop um, last week in a very posh part of London. And uh, the woman there was telling me about a makeup range for kids. I was like, what are you talking about? What's all of that about? Um, So I I do find these things very disturbing. But I believe that um, sexual abuse, rape, 
uh, is about power. It's nothing to do with what a woman wears. Um, I don't think a woman should be blamed um, for um, being sexually abused because of what she's wearing. I don't think there's a link there. For me, it's about power. Um, this morning, before I arrived here, I was reading an article about women in the Congo. Um, there's um, a study in the US that's come out this morning saying that 1,000 women a day were raped during 12 months in 2007 in the Congo. Obviously, it had nothing to do with what they were wearing. Julie Bender. Well, um, Shahista, I do think, although I agree with much of what you say, it's very depressing that your sense of safety comes from being covered. Uh, and I make no judgment whatsoever on what you wear. But I think that's an indictment of men's attitudes to women and also the fear that we live under continually, whether it's conscious or unconscious. And, and Joanna, I have to just really call you on something that you said or, or rather that I think you said which is that some women dress provocatively and I think that's a terribly pessimistic view of masculinity and maleness and a far more pessimistic view than so-called man-hating no, feminists like myself are supposed they're to have. They're not provoking rape, but, but, but they're provoking attention. But, but what that's suggesting is, I mean, it was never radical feminists who said all men are potential rapists. It's actually men themselves. What, what it's suggesting is that they've got no control or little control over their own sexuality, which is ludicrous. Not at all, because, you know, some women want to be noticed sexually. But they don't want to be raped ever. No. So where does the word provocatively come in? Let me give you an to example. To provoke attention. Well, if, for example, you know, a woman uh, is murdered by her husband and his defence in court is that she was provoking him. Now, we know that these men get lots and lots of sympathy in the court by the general public and often they're given reduced sentences. And surely that's the same kind of attitude when we talk about women provocatively no, enticing I said they men. may have been inadvertently provoking that attention and I do think that's the case. Also, I think there's an incredible pressure on young girls to dress in a certain way so that they match their peer groups. I agree. And, and I think that that can leave them vulnerable. Now, we have to ask, why are they vulnerable? What does it say about society? But I'm just facing up to the reality that, you know, if you're dressed up like a teenage hooker, you're wandering around late at night, you're drunk, you're coming out of a club, you are probably less in a position to protect yourself against a potential attack than you might otherwise be. Now, is that, is that right? No, it's not. But is it a statement of fact? Yes, But it it's is. almost an excuse for men. I'm a lesbian. I've never dressed for men. I've always dressed, uh, you know, in a, a quite sort of classic feminist style. So therefore the ill-fitting jeans, etc. Um, and that's obviously not something that you're going to see on, on the slut walk. Um, but when I've been attacked by men, it's been to put me under manners because I'm a lesbian. I'm not sexually available to them. And they take offence at the fact that I'm not dressing for them. And how would we explain that? Bricks, did you want to come in there? It's important as a woman, as a girl, when you're growing up, to experiment with different looks. As, you know, as a fashion person, it's important to try on different looks and different masks and different ways for different moods. Now, when I dressed as a teenage slut, I felt sexy. I felt grown up, cool. I had hot pants, platforms. I loved it. But I wasn't, I was innocent though. I wasn't prepared for the trigger that would happen in the men. 
and I'm, I just think it's important, yes, dress however you want, but be aware that it can trigger things in other people which you cannot control. You can only control yourself. That's exactly that's what I'm point. saying. That's, that's exactly point what I'm saying. And that's a terribly sad indictment, isn't it? It's a reality, masculinity sadly, today. Isn't it? it is, but why aren't we telling men, stop raping women? What's so different, rather than, rather than women celebrating this misogynistic term of slotness, what is different about what the Canadian police officer said, I mean, the misogynistic idiot, but what's really different about what he said and what police officers have said through time immemorial when serial killers and serial rapists are on the loose, which is women don't go out on your own at night, stay indoors. They don't say to men, there's a curfew on you. They put the curfew on us. And I don't think that there's anything different from what the the Chief Constable of West Yorkshire said during the Yorkshire Ripper reign to this police officer in Canada, it's about controlling women's sexuality and it's about not calling men out on the fact that they are the ones raping and harming women. I have two words, be aware. We, I, I agree, of course we're all aware, but we need to talk about the curtailment that men's behaviour and the threat of sexual assault puts on our lives and call them on it, not other women. I, I agree with portions of what everybody said around the table in that I do agree, we need to look at why uh, women feel the need to dress in a certain way and I do think that women have become objectified in society but I think that that is actually a, a slightly separate point. We can't use the fact that women for whatever reason are wearing these clothes as a, as a, as a direct link to okay they've somehow accepted some responsibility in their rape and Yes, you can say be aware and say, you know, be aware that if you walk down a dark street, you know, there are safety implications. But Julie is right in that society does not say don't rape. It says don't get raped. And if you look at, for instance, tube, ad uh, tube ads, they, they have a picture of this woman crying and she looks like she's being raped. And it says, please, please stop taking unlicensed minicabs. Everywhere you look, the, the onus is on the woman to not experience harassment and rape. Um, and there's very little message coming from society in general to say, actually we condemn rape and if you look at the fact that it's only 6.5% of all rape cases actually end in conviction that shows that actually that attitude is extremely destructive and dangerous. How can we change this? Well, I think we need to look at... Well, feminism is the way forward, I think. Yeah. I think we need to actually have an open debate in society. We need to talk about... We need to talk about sexual equality. We need to talk about gender awareness. And I think that the fact that, that you cover up and get more respect is great for you as, as an individual, but for, you know, for a gender, I think it's terrible that I have to cover up in order to avoid being disrespected. No, but I'm not disrespected. saying that you have to cover up. And I, by the way, I don't cover up to please men as well. I'd like yeah. to point out I do this for myself. And I don't think that woman should cover up and then get respect. I think women should be respected. Yeah. But I also think that maybe there's an issue with young women respecting themselves as well exactly. from a young age Absolutely. you know being empowered being told you know you can you can dress however you want but you shouldn't maybe put all the emphasis on how you dress I mean these days you know you see lots of girls going to school and they look I've, you know when I was going to school I would never used to dress like that you know it's quite amazing they look like they just come out of a nightclub now I do think they should be able to dress how they want but at the same time if you're 14 15 you're going to school I wonder why all that emphasis has to be put on how you look I to and I totally agree that I mean it's it, it's it's very sad that a man gets up goes out the door the way he kind of rolls out of bed and a girl spends ages troweling on the makeup and putting on the heels that I mean she, she while she has the right to should she feel obliged to no but slut walk is about is her doing that making her in any way responsible for her own rape and the answer is simply no, no. no. 
Absolutely. We all agree there. <laughs> we, we, all, we all agree there. There's no question about it. But what's interesting um, about this march, because I think it has its context in Canada, and I wonder, you know, why it has so much male support and that taking it out of Canada, bringing it to the UK, might actually skew the message somewhat. I think what's really interesting is it'll probably have more male support and more spectators than it does marches. And that's because men are more interested in looking at women dressed in a sexualized fashion than they are stopping rape. Now, when men come to me, if I lecture or if I write articles and they're good men and they come to me and say, you know, Julie, I want you to know I'm not like that. I say to them, good. Why are you telling me? Go and tell your peers. What we need to do to solve this problem isn't to internalise and celebrate a word that would not exist were it not for misogyny. We need to get men to stop their friends from raping. No man... No man will admit that he's a rapist unless he's in prison for a series of offences. But he can actually go to his friends and say, that's not all right. Why aren't we marching about that? Because men are not going to be threatened by slut march at all. They're not. They know that babies get raped, elderly women get raped, lesbians such as myself get raped. They're not threatened at all. We need to threaten men. We need to say to them, do not rape or you will have consequences. But for consequences to happen, for them to take seriously, the police have to do something about it. Let's look at this word itself, actually, because you know we're talking about slut walk, slut march. What about the word itself? Do, I mean, is the word slut offensive? Is it outmoded? Or, or should we reclaim it, be celebrating it? What do you feel about the word itself, Joanne? Um, I, mean, I, I think most words are neutral it's the context in which they're used it's the person using them it's the power they have um, it's how you wish to take it I mean obviously in this context these women want to reclaim this word they want to use it ironically they want to take the power to harm out of the word I mean I remember when this word wasn't even expressly used in a sexual context it was always just kind of you're a slob you know you're mm. a slattern you're a bit lazy look at the state of your house yes. you know I mean it's so it, it's all it's almost there's a kind of slightly cartoon element I think to the word slut and I wouldn't necessarily be offended by it if someone used it about me, but it would absolutely depend on who they were, what the context was, uh, because equally it could be very offensive and very upsetting, I think. But I say in this context, it seems to me to be cheeky more than anything else. It's trying to kind of degrade the power of the word. I get the irony of it, but I don't think many people will. And I don't think that many girls growing up who've been terribly harmed by this word, rather than, you know, I was all at a dinner party saying, oh, you're a bit of a slut, aren't you? Which, of course, is, is far less offensive than being shouted it at school. Um, they're, they're not going to get the joke. They're not going to get the irony. It will exclude many women who have been defined by this word, including the thousands of women who are in prostitution who do not want to be there. That's what worries me about it. I think it's an aggressive word. It's not a neutral word at all. Um, I haven't heard that word for a very, very long time, actually. I don't think it's used as much as the word slapper, for example, or something like that, which I don't think, for me, has as many violent or extreme connotations. So I personally, as a feminist, I don't want to reclaim that word. Um, when I hear that word, a bit like your good self, I, I think... Immediately, for me, it evokes images of those women, those sex workers, prostitutes, women who are forced 
um, into doing something they may not want to do. Um, and for me, it has a lot of violent connotations as well. But won't, it, won't it, the word slut still have that power and evoke those things if it's not reclaimed? Now, personally, I also am not sure if I want to wholly embrace it, but I do want to subvert it somewhat and di- to dilute its power. And if we just, if we leave it alone and go, oh, we can't use that word because it mean, it no longer means that you're a sloppy housekeeper. It now means that you are a prostitute and a forced sex worker. Aren't we, aren't we leaving them with the power to use that against us? So surely it's better to do something. If, he, if he'd used a different word, it. if he'd used, say, whore, would, would we be calling it the whore walks? Oh, some would. Some would. I mean, there's whore power, whore feminism. I mean, really deeply offensive terms that men have coined in which to label us that we pretend we can reclaim. And some words, of course, have been reclaimed. <clears throat> Excuse me, such as queer, um, packy, words that have been deeply offensive to oppressed and marginalised groups of people. But those words include men as well as women. Well, it's this always is about a minority a group, woman. though. But, this minor- is a, but women so, aren't a minority. Well, in a, well we, are a, we are a group, we are defined by, by an oppression. I, so. I've heard the word slut used oh, a lot of times in conjunction with gay men. Oh, he's such a slut. Oh, my God, have you seen him at the club? He's, you know, so I think that it works both ways. And is it used in a derogatory way when it's a gay man, do you think? It just means... He, or is he a uh, yeah, stud? Is he a stud or a slut? No, it's yeah. more of a slut. But everyone that I talk to about the slut walk, all, all the women that I've talked to, are like, "Yay, we want to go, we want to go." They really like, they really like the idea of it. And I think that the sort of humorous side of slut walk is makes the whole thing feel good. I don't know why. I know what you mean. I mean, I'd much rather subvert men's behaviour than subvert a word. Um, (laughs) But I think that in one way it sounds like great fun. I'm really pleased it's happening in one way, although I really, really hate, hate its label. And I hate the fact that it's going to be, you know, men who will enjoy it far more than I think a lot of the participants. But... I think for me, what's great about it? I'm not sure it, that's right because well, so many it's women. It's not going will, to threaten men. I mean, is the, it? the girl that works for me, then I just left the shop, and she goes, "I can't wait to go. I know just what I'm going to wear." She was like so excited to march down the street like it, that. A march like that should surely give men a message. It should threaten them. It should make them feel like they're not safe to. But rape. I don't Can think I that it's, isn't going it's to. Not, Julie, it's not they're just, not thinking about the men. They're thinking about the the the, I, the like camaraderie I of the women that. and the empowerment of their femininity. I think that's great. And Do you know what I mean? I, she was she was not in like angry men or thinking about rape. She was just thinking about oh, this feels good and I want to. But this is in response to rape, isn't it? I mean, it's not a party. We all have parties no. after marches, and it's great. But <clears throat> what it does show is that women are deeply concerned about the curtailment of our behaviour because of the theory, fear and reality of rape, and that's what's fantastic about it. It's women, young older going out together and saying we've had enough but this isn't going to be in any way threatening to sexually violent men unlike reclaim the night marches can for I, example yeah can i Vicky, uh, yeah please <laughs> sorry um i agree reclaim the night is fantastic i'm actually speaking at an upcoming reclaim claim the night event unfortunately it doesn't get the same media coverage and if there's one thing that I think is great about calling it slut walk is that it's actually given given us the chance to sit around and talk about this as an issue and that there has to be some merit in that I mean this is getting like national and international news coverage which Reclaim the Night just hasn't managed to get unfortunately unfortunately and the second thing is uh, I don't think it's just men that we're sending this message to society as a whole because other women have have cast judgment on on me and on others for what some 
somebody has worn or they've heard about a rape case and said, oh, but I heard she mm-hmm. went home with him, you know, she, she led him on. I mean, it's challenging attitudes in general, not just rapists. You don't have to dress in what we might think is a category, you know, a stereotypically a hookerish fashion to attend. I mean, I'm going to wear jeans because I've been called a slut when I've worn jeans and because uh, in reference actually to an Italian court case in 1999 where a woman who was raped, it was uh, the conviction was overturned because she was wearing jeans and the court decided that actually you can't be raped if you're wearing jeans. So I think that there's a lot of things a person can wear and still be termed a slut and still be potentially a rape victim. Um, so I'm not going to do the whole heels thing and the, the low-cut tops, but I'm going to wear something that I have been called a slut in and I'm going to challenge that term. because I'm There not. isn't an outfit on this earth that a woman hasn't been called a slut in. Yeah. Well, it, that it, brings us to this, this kind of, you know, from the burqa to the miniskirt, what women wear is constantly under scrutiny. So, I mean, I wonder if I could just go around the table and ask everyone individually whether fashion and what you wear, whether you feel that is a statement you're making, whether you're conscious of yourself making a statement in what you wear. Vicky? I think when I was younger, I was very confused. And uh, the messages that I got from magazines and from society in general was that yes what you wear you know means that you're going to be treated in different ways and I think as I get older and I, as, as I embrace feminism I think actually that shouldn't be the case and I'll endeavour to wear what makes me comfortable and I will expect people to judge me on who I am now expect, expect and, and realistically anticipate are two different things but I don't believe that what I wear should should affect how people see me. Okay now this is a strange thing because as a stylist I quite I I often get asked to dress people for certain occasions or to achieve certain goals. A big woman will come to me and say, I'm heading this huge board meeting and I need to dress and, you know, there's, you know, I need to look great but not too sexy and this, that. So I have to sort of style to get them to achieve what they need. Or a girl will come and say, I'm on a a first date and I want to look you know, this it's a normal thing. I want to look sexy, but not too sexy because of everything that we're talking about here. So I get this all the time. And I find, I mean, fashion and clothes are a very powerful tool from the color you're wearing to the cut. And, um, you know, it, you, can, you can achieve goals by dressing a certain way, but, you know, it's going to trigger things in other people. And sometimes that's a result that you want. And sometimes it's a result that you can't, con- that you can't control, that you don't want. And that's all that I meant by saying be aware is that when you put something on and you might feel fabulous, you just have to be aware as a person how it may trigger other people, which is a sad fact of society. I wish that wasn't the way, but it is. And by being aware, it's empowering yourself to know, you know, to not engage, to walk away, to no eye contact. But that's that's the society we live in, which is sad. Joanne? Well, I mean, we're sitting in the middle of the most diverse city in the world, probably, And, you know, I think it's foolish to suggest that people don't, either consciously or subconsciously, dress, uh, they're not influenced in how they dress. I mean, it, it, it astonishes me how tribes emerge and are very, very easily discernible. I mean, you can tell people that work in the city from people who maybe, you know, work in a completely different context. You can tell to a certain extent where even people live in London and people in Hoxton are going to look quite different from people in Chelsea, people in Battersea, you know, look very different from people in Islington. And, you know, there are little determining factors that that give that away and I mean some of that's great fun and you know it's part of life's rich tapestry I suppose 
I mean, I think we can get too hung up on this, really. If I'm going to answer the question honestly, then, you know, I, I, I really enjoy clothes. I've, when I wrote a book a few years ago called Too Nice to Be a Tory, you know, one of the kind of things I commented on was that people had often said to me, well, you don't look like a Tory, you don't seem like a Tory. And, you know, obviously that statement suggested that to look like a conservative woman, you had to dress a certain way. I guess they were expecting me to wear, you know, twin set and pearls. And I think, you know, that's passed a lot. Now you'd probably expect people to look like Samantha Cameron. And, you know, I'd love to look like Samantha Cameron. But let's get to the serious part of the question. Yes, you know, women are scrutinised more closely than men are, particularly women that work in the media. And I'm not altogether sure what one can do about that. I think that is just part of life. Shahista? Well, some people think I look too nice to be a Muslim, but hey, what can you do? <laughs> um, but, you know, it takes seven seconds for a person to form another opinion about another person, and that is based on your exterior, on how you look, how you dress, maybe your shoes. It's a fact. We may not like it, but it is definitely a fact. I go to stand-up comedy clubs up and down the country, and when I show up and I get on stage, I tell you it's deafening silence and it's so funny. Um, I don't wear my headscarf to get a a reaction from people um, to provoke people I wear it because I want to wear it I wear it because I feel empowered by wearing it since I've started wearing it I've never had a bad hair day okay I spend lots of money on my hair I still do but it's just really easy I just get up in the morning put something on I don't really think as much about how I you know about what I'm going to wear as much as I used to and I think I have a bit more fun and you know I've sort of adapted the way I dress and all that do you um, match your headscarf to the rest of your outfits do you think seriously about the color of your headscarf Versus, I would like to say yes, but sadly, no, my dear. Maybe you know, I can take a masterclass from your good self. Um, <laughs> it's my absolute pleasure. I would not, love that, to. not that I think you need it or anything, but it'd be really fun. Oh, bring can it you on, do business bring it outside on. of the room, yeah. yes. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, people, I in my when I'm doing my stand up, I talk about my headscarf because it'd be very strange if I didn't, um, because people don't expect me to be on stage. There's very little diversity usually within the audience of a comedy club, let alone one of the acts. And I say that, you know, um, as a Muslim woman who wears a headscarf, it doesn't take much for me to dispel the many stereotypes that people have of Muslim women. More often than not, when I'm talking, I can see people's jaws scraping along the ground. The reason for this is because the face, the voice and the appearance, they just don't match. I call this a David Beckham effect. Mm. And that is really what I think my headscarf is about. It is a David Beckham effect because as soon as I open my mouth, people are astounded. And I find this kind of quite weird, but it is based on what I look like. It's based on my uh, choice of clothing. Nine times out of ten, this that is the reaction I've had. I get a reaction which is shock and awe, minus the carpet bombing. And it's, it's really thrown me since I've been doing this stand-up, which has been a year, because I've never looked at myself like that. I don't see myself like that, you know? So it's been a very interesting exercise, actually. So you've never had anyone like Bricks desperate to style you? Oh, I'd love you to style me. <laughs> By the way, you look fabulous. Thank you. So I definitely want to style me. Just, is that what it means, though, that you're admitting that people judge... Have judged you on the way you look. You're admitting it. Everybody around this table is admitting it. Is that? Are we saying that we should just accept that? Then? It's not necessarily no, not judgment. How you dress gives some information about you. It doesn't tell somebody else the state of your soul, but it does tell them where you probably like to buy your clothes. Who but you think your peer group is. There's a difference between okay, so generic kind of taking a, an assessment of somebody and fitting them into a category in the mind and then this thing about, well, women should and shouldn't have hemlines at certain levels and, and cleavage showing at certain levels and there's a real... And I think, you, you, I think you're saying that as a, you've experienced it in politics that as, it, as a woman you're under more scrutiny than a male counterpart and 
I think that that should be challenged in society, this idea that women more than men are judged. Well, you can. There are all sorts of ways that you can challenge it. I mean, I'm not even sure that I want to challenge it because I think it is different being a woman and different being a man. No, I want to challenge it. I mean, when I became a feminist when I was in my teens, what the early women's movement was doing then in this like the 60s through to the 70s, and we seem to have lost it now, was say to women, you know what, you really can be free of the constraints of femininity if that's what you wish. Lots of women who said that high heels were painful, that makeup irritated their skin and they resented the time that it took to apply it, that their hair always had to be dyed, preened, poked, teased, that they couldn't leave the house without putting on a mask from head to foot. And they started to literally throw away their bras and throw away their high heels. And some started to dress like I do with jeans and shoes that you can run away in and shoes that you can actually feel comfortable in and, and, and you know, bras that actually fit rather than, you know, make you look in some kind of, you know, outer space creature. And, and then I was, of course, punished for that because men would clock that I was a lesbian, that I was a feminist, that I didn't want to be sexually active with them, that I wasn't sexually attractive to them because all women stripped of everything where there's no adornment, men do often find very challenging. And so I was making a statement along with my feminist sisters that I will not dress for men. And trust me when I tell you, I am punished just as much as the women who men consider to be sluts. It's a highly political issue, what women wear. As you've acknowledged, Bix, we all have acknowledged it to an extent. I'm just intrigued because, uh, you know, not all lesbians are the same. Some lesbians dress, um, you know, in a more mm-hmm. feminine way. That's right. So, you know, where do you put them on the uh, trajectory? Oh, well, I don't. What I'm saying is that if you actually dress in a way that is so obviously not traditionally feminine and made up, men will make an assumption about you. Now, I actually find that quite pleasing because what I'm saying to them is, I really don't want you. But Julie, you're proud to be a lesbian, aren't Absolutely you? Absolutely Because proud. when you walked in here, I looked at you and I go, she's a lesbian. I like her. It's like, fabulous but being I a lesbian. Knew, yeah, and, but I totally clocked you straight away, which everyone else would do. So you've got to be prepared for that's the reaction you're going to get. That's right. Not everyone's going to be like open with love, like, oh my God. No. But some people are going to be and threatened and angry. And that's absolutely my experience. You, we can all wear what we want to wear. We can all embrace, no, you know, whatever we want to embrace. But yes, there, I don't think you should therefore just be prepared for any reaction from people I don't think that people just have a right to do what they want to you or in or you know have hate speech towards you or to rape you because of the judgment that they've made of what you wear yes we might want to be realistic and say what I wear is going to send a message to people and but it maybe the saying that. other. But that's, a, that's a huge, huge leap away from, I think, what, every, what, I think what the majority of people around this table but are I saying. But I think you're saying that you're... I mean, obviously, you're not saying that, right, if a girl dresses a certain way, she should be raped, but you're saying that people have judged you on your looks more than men and that that's something that you just no, prefer but, to accept. But I think we're using the word judgment in, if I might say, <laughs> a very judgmental way. I mean, I'm talking about making an assessment about yeah. someone and... You know, if you're going for an interview to be to become a Conservative MP, let's say, um, or a Labour MP, I mean, most M- most MPs kind of look the same. You know, you'd be expected to dress in in a sort of professional way, and obviously, that is more easy for a man. It's more straightforward. Now, do I regret the fact that it's more straightforward for a man? Yes, I would do if it meant that I was never taken seriously, but. 
Equally, you could say, how dull for men that they don't have, you know, the, the, the outlet that we have to have fun with clothes and, you know, to be, yeah. to be peacockish. If we were really all equal, then it's true. Men could dress up just as much as women and we'd all have that choice. But I think the problem is that people, as you said earlier on, some girls feel that obliged to dress in certain ways, to, be, to, to dress Can and I, to be attractive. I think it's also about how you carry yourself as well. Like, I mean, you know, your persona, the sort of vibe you give off as well. I think that comes into play as well in terms of the clothing you choose to wear. I know, that, for example, um, I, I, I try and be as, pr- as approachable as I can to people. So when I'm in these comedy clubs, people come up to me, they ask me questions, you know, they'll come and say something to me like, oh, I've never met a Muslim before, whatever, whatever. And, you know, there's sort of just say whatever they want to say and it's because I've got that approachable persona you know if I was just a bit sort of hands off and giving them the vibe that they can't talk to me then they treat me very differently and I think some of that comes into play when you're dressing up or when you're when you're wearing different types of clothes as well can I can I just say something? I, I recently did a show, which was uh, it's going to come out. It's about um, proms, American style proms, where we had to like dress and make over young British schoolgirls that were leaving school. And pretty much, when we would say, "How would you like to look? Who is your fashion icon?" Pretty much across the board, they all said Katie Price. What do we think about this? Could you, oh my God, look at your face. Yeah, I think it's really, really pertinent, this point, actually, because this is really where we started. But what is Katie Price? Sorry to interrupt you. She's a very successful businesswoman. That's, that's Whether we like what she wears or not, she's a multimillionaire. Um, she's made this, she's a, a very, very successful businesswoman. So again, this goes back to my point about how you project yourself it's not just about your clothes yes but you but but she is so sexualized and so she hasn't overcome her looks in order to become successful through her persona she has gone this is how i'll get my best success and i will complete tamper with my body and get and she's inspiring little girls really young 16 year old 14 year old well my point is is that what's inspiring them is it not just her plasticness and the hair and everything is it the whole package yeah. yeah But 10 years ago, I was in Russia talking to um, some groups of, of young women between the ages of, say, 15 and 18. And they'd all seen the film Pretty Woman. And it's a very, very successful film around the world, but particularly in Russia. And, you know, when, when, when these young women were asked what they wanted to do when they um, left school, they said they wanted to be a prostitute. And that's the power of the message, isn't it? Because, of course, that film portrayed something totally beyond reality for those women. And because their opportunities in life were so minimal, they then thought that this was a way out and that was their only way out. And in fact, for a lot of women, it is. And look at Russia today. It's the same, if not more. It's a massive, thriving industry of gorgeous, fabulous women. And they're the richest because that's how they got out. Apart from sparking a rather brilliant discussion... Slut walk itself, is it pro-feminist, Vicky? It's about challenging rape culture, the idea that you in some way could be responsible for your own rape, and I think that is a, fe- is a feminist belief, for sure. Bricks? I think it's empowering to women, and, um, it's, and I think it's a fun way to do it. And I'm not worried about the men, it's all about the women. Joanne? I mean, in a sense, I'm not sure I'm qualified to say whether or not it helps the feminist cause because I'm not sure what the feminist cause is. I don't know. I don't automatically associate the feminist cause with uh, the best way forward for women. 
Um, I think feminism is a political movement um, to which I don't subscribe, although I do subscribe to the idea that women should be empowered and that women are powerful. Um, I just don't think it comes through assuming that, you know, all men behave in a certain way and all women should behave in a certain way. Um, the slut walk, I, I don't feel terribly comfortable with the name. I won't be going on it, but I think it, I think to come back to a point that was made earlier, it has provoked, you know, a very interesting discussion, not just between us, but, you know, in, in the wider world. And um, I think that's always timely. And, you know, when I was univers at university, we called it Reclaim the Streets, Reclaim the Night. Um, I think that's probably a more helpful a general way of describing it than slut walk. But, you know, slut walk might bring other people into this uh, who, who, who wouldn't have gone for Reclaim the Streets. Should yeah, I, going? yeah, I mean, I don't know if I'm going to go, not for any particular reason. Um, I don't like the, the term, the terminology that's being used um, in relation to the event, but obviously it's going to spark a lot of media interest and get people talking. Um, I, I think it's good that, you know, groups of women are going to come together. I think there needs to be more debate and discussion and there needs to be a space for women to come together and to talk about these things um, because if, I absolutely 100% believe this is not just a feminist issue um, but I believe that as women, as feminists, we do need to, you know, we need to, we need to discuss these issues and we need to get to the bottom of them and have some sort of strategy to deal with it and it's not, the onus isn't on us to just to deal with it. Obviously, the men as well, you know, we need to look at that but yeah, that's really my take on it. If it gets people talking about the horrors of rape and the prevalence of it rather than whether women are sluts or not, then great. Um, and I wish the march well. I won't be going on it. I'll be fashioning my own placard with um, women are never sluts and jail rapists. And no, I don't think that it's a feminist event. I think it's rebellion, not feminism. But I think it's fantastic that women are responding to rape by saying we have had enough and we will no longer be blamed. So good luck to everyone. And it's getting everyone, everyone's talking about it, and that's the most important thing. And it's sticking a broom handle in a beehive. And even if it's not, you know, it's even men, it's going to get men thinking, even on a subconscious level. Do you know what I mean? And that can't be bad. Well, the London Slut Walk takes place on Saturday, June the 11th. And you can leave your thoughts on this podcast and listen to more in this series, guardian.co.uk forward slash focus. My thanks to Vicky Semister, Julie Bindle, Joanne Nadler, Shahista Aziz and Bricks Smith-Start. The producer was Phil Maynard. I'm Tracy McVeigh and thank you for listening. For more great downloads, go to guardian.co.uk forward slash audio.